Women Making Waves on Cambridge 105 Radio. One of the songs on Anita Gabrielle's latest EP describes how her parents met in Brussels at the end of the war. Linda and I chatted to this dynamic and talented woman. Anita Gabrielle is a singer-songwriter who's been writing songs most of her life. There's no one like you who can make me laugh the way that you do. She refers to herself as the dyke in a hat and has had to fight lots of injustices. Our latest EP has been released in order to raise funds for research into Parkinson's disease. We're delighted to be joined by Anita today. Welcome to Women Making Waves, Anita. Oh, thank you so much. It's an honour to be asked to be here. Thank you. Well, we're really pleased to have you. We are, definitely. Now, when did you start writing songs, Anita? You say it's been all of your life. What age were you when you started getting interested? Well, I was 14 when my dearly beloved brother came home from London and said to me, I've seen this lady singer, I think you'll like her. And he went and bought me her first record, as it was back then, and it was a a woman uh, called Joni Mitchell who became a bit of an icon for me, really, all my life. I found that she wrote things that expressed how I was feeling, and I, I wanted to do that too. And I got a guitar, I was just 14, started to write songs, and uh, have never stopped, really. That is brilliant. It's really nice to hear that someone's been inspired like that, actually. And a lot of teenagers, I think, do. They start in their bedroom, don't they? And you're sort of sitting there learning chords. Did, did you teach yourself the guitar? I did. I, t- I taught myself initially, but then I had a few lessons, which helped no end. And um, funnily enough, I've just started having lessons again. Really? <laughs> so I think you never stop learning, do no. you? And you never stop trying to develop. Well, I haven't anyway. I've, I've always tried to develop what I do and, and to improve what I do. And is Joni Mitchell still your icon, Anita? Or have you collected more icons along the way? Well, I think I've, I've loved so many different musicians. And, I, you know, I'm really taking with so much that the young people do these days. I really like Billie Eilish. Um, yeah. You, you know, I'm, there's a, a young singer-songwriter who I'm, uh, I love, a, a guy called Luke Jackson. Uh, you know, there's just so, so much music. But I think in your formative years, when you're very young, something that really makes such an impression uh, stays with you. And I think Joni Mitchell has influenced so many people. Mm-hmm. And um, and her career, of course, uh, she went from a folk singer uh, to become such a, an incredible jazz musician. You know, she's just progressed and changed and developed always. And uh, I, I mean, I bought albums really out of loyalty when I didn't really get them at all. And I return to them now and I think, do you know what? That's really interesting today. Um, yeah. You know, there's an album she did in the 80s uh, that was recorded by Thomas Dolby. It's very electronic. Really hated it at the time, but brought it through <laughs> lo- loyalty. And now I think, my goodness, this is so excellent. So, yeah, I think those formative years are important, but I do like to be open to new music as well. Yeah, I think it's funny when someone that you follow changes style and it, it's a bit like Marmite for a lot of people. You either love it or hate it. Mm. You were in a band in the 80s called The Crew. What kind of music were they playing? Well, we were described as a post-punk 
pop band uh, by Melody Maker. That's what they called us, post-punk pop band. That's a lot of peas, isn't it? <laughs> it is, nice <laughs> So that's how they described us. Um, we were very fast. Uh, we had a lot of songs in the set, and if we got through the set in, in 20 minutes, we knew we were really cooking. And it was unusual at the time because there were, there were two of us women playing. I was playing an electric telecaster at the time, and there was a woman who was playing bass as well. And that was quite unusual that women were playing electric guitars. You know, the slits and bands like that had opened yeah. the door for us really and so I was very influenced by them um, and the fact that actually as women we could play electric guitars we didn't actually have to sit with acoustic and look pretty and play so yeah that was a great time really it was an interesting time and I managed to meet some great people Annie Lennox and Pauline Black of Selectors you, you know really good women performers of the time. Was it very sort of rare for women to be writing songs and making music at that time? I wouldn't say it was rare for women to be making music, but I think it was very rare for women to be stroppy or to be <laughs> um, out there a bit. And and certainly electric guitars. I mean, I, I, hadn't, I can't remember, apart from the slits, having seen any women playing electric guitars. So I thought, I'm going to get a, an electric and give this a go. Much as I love Joni Mitchell and, uh, and the acoustic genre that she came from, nonetheless, I wanted to be out doing something that had a little bit more of an edge and also expressed how I felt as a woman and as a lesbian. Um, that was really mm. important to me. And a song I wrote at the time called Josie, uh, which was how I fell in love with my best friend at school, was viewed as, as very brave at the time. Mm. Um, there were lots of people thought this was very courageous of me to be singing this. And um, yeah, it's surprising now when I look back, but, but that was how it was then really. And you were outed as a lesbian by a newspaper which in the 1980s, it sounds awful if it was something that was done without your consent. Tell us about that. Yes, well, in a way, we were so unprepared. We'd been uh, uh, playing together the band. There was only a, f a few months. It was also very, very new. And uh, we, we were getting quite a lot of press coverage. And um, I don't know how it happened, but I can remember. We, we played up in London and we, what happened actually was we won a competition called uh, the Melody Maker, the paper was mm -hmm. running I suppose it was a uh, the Melody Maker Rock 80 competition the band actually entered and, and we won so we were propelled really into Absolutely. getting lots of local yeah. uh, newspaper coverage and uh, the prize was a, a record deal with EMI and uh, and some money which was just just amazing I mean we were totally blown away really at the time and then it appeared in the paper um, that this had two lesbians in it because I was in a relationship with Chris who was the bass player yeah it was sort of strange and and uh, I we were unprepared for it I, I you know it, it but it one of those things that happened really I suppose mm. and was that does that news to your family and friends or was it something that they all knew about already well close family and friends knew but uh, certainly the people at my job didn't know so it was a little bit um I suppose it pushed me really to come out more and uh, because of course in those days that you know coming out was was uh, fairly unusual and it, and it's a step that I, I took I'm very glad I did now really yeah Sorry, yeah I suppose that it was uncomfortable looking back now I'm glad it happened but, but an awful thing to happen in some respects in the way it happened because that's yeah. terribly unfair so after that you were in a band called Zanana yes. which I suppose we would call a sort of girl power type band nowadays, a girl band. And you each had personas. And yes. yours was Boudicca. How, how, did, how did you pick the, the queen of the Iceni? How did that come about? 
Oh, I'm, I'm so proud of what we did with Zanano because it was very much the pre-runners of the Spice Girls. When I saw the Spice Girls, I thought, that's what we were trying yes. to do yeah. sort of seven or eight years before they did it. We talked, the three of us, so Penny, Ruth and myself, we talked about wanting to portray women with strong characters, but we also wanted to do accessible and poppy music, which which is what, what we did. I, this is where I wrote with my brother. We had early sort of disco drum beats and, and, and things and early recording setups and uh, wrote all the music. So we wanted to, again, do something that was strong. And we talked about what three figures represented power and strength as women to us. And mine was without doubt... Uh, Boudica, Boadicea, however we say. Yes, yes. I know. I was, yeah. I was brought up saying Boadicea, and then it suddenly it becomes Boudica, and I think, what the heck? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> whatever. She was a good old girl, though, wasn't she? Absolutely. And what were the um, other, um, the other yeah. two? The other two, Ruthie um, was really taken with Cruella de Vil of the um, <laughs> of the 101 and Dalmatians. Um, yeah, so sort of somebody really powerful and a bit remote and, and a bit cruel, to be frank. And she and she had this very white-faced makeup. It was all rather scary. And Penny, um, our other, wanted to be a female buccaneer because she was absolutely convinced there were buccaneers who were women in the 1700s. And so she dressed as a buccaneer. And, and that's what we did. That is really strange, actually, when you think about it, because the Spice Girls had all of those personas as well. You're right. I mean, it's almost like they'd kind of taken that idea and run with it, you know, and, and, and uh, become, well, they became really huge, of course. I thought they were going to be a one-hit wonder, Anita, which shows <laughs> what, how much I know about music. <laughs> this latest EP, though, Just Neat, that's been released in order to raise funds for research into Parkinson's disease. Mm. Is there a reason that you chose to support Parkinson's? Yes, indeed there is. I, I talked a little earlier about uh, my beloved brother, Michael, coming home from London and telling me all about Joni. And, and it was Michael and I who wrote all the music for Zinana. And uh, earlier this year, oh, I feel a bit teary, as I tell you, um, he, um, he was diagnosed, well, he told me he'd been diagnosed with Parkinson's. And so I thought, what can I do to help, really? Um, I was obviously a bit surprised and a bit sad, but thought, well... You know, everybody has things that happen to them in life and what matters is how you manage them and how you deal with them. Mm -hmm. And I thought to myself, I really would like to do something positive because I knew nothing about Parkinson's. It hadn't affected my life. And the more I read, I found out, you know, how charities like them are so struggling at this time of pandemic because obviously everybody's concerned about the pandemic and they do such a wonderful job you know helping people who have been recently diagnosed with all kinds of things so I thought I wonder if I could help Parkinson's UK and and make use of my music and the gift that my brother has given me in order to perhaps do something positive and it has been the most positive thing I've done I mean it's given me a distraction and that's my bit I suppose it's distracted me from all that's going on in some ways but made me feel I'm making something good out of something that's really difficult yeah mm, that's really commendable and how is your brother at the moment is 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 he very pleased that you're doing this yes he's he's a he's a bit of a quiet man he'll say something like very well done in this quiet way <laughs> and that means the world to me because I know yeah. that he really means it and yeah. uh, I think he he often feels surprised by me and I, I sent him a copy of the EP and he's he's really pleased with it. He, he, he did like it. But he, he kind of always puts it back to me saying, this is your effort. This is what you've done. <laughs> but I, And he, it's hard for him to hear me say, I would never have done this without you. 
Yeah. <laughs> you know, he can't oh, kind of lovely. quite grasp that, you know. Is, so, is he a uh, musician as well? You said that you worked together writing songs. Yes, yes, he, he plays piano. And he, in the early 70s, he had a synthesizer, a very early one, well, the one with all the knobs that, they, you know, that were pre-anything yes, to do with um, Giorgio Moroder <laughs> or the disco music. So, yes, and we started writing music together in, in the 80s for Zinana. So all of Zinana's set was written by Michael and I and with the girls and Penny and Ruth did their bit too I shouldn't say it was all us because they came up with some things but it was mainly our music and uh, so Mike and I have have a history of writing together too Let's talk about your EP because we both listened to the EP and it's it's brilliant it's absolutely mm, brilliant it's Anita it's quite exquisite actually what's the process of putting all this all this music together how did it all come about well, I'm very touched that you like it so much. No, really, really much, really yeah. lovely. That's so nice. Well, again, I had to work remotely, and um, I have this old eight-track recorder that I had in the 90s that I was recording on, and I thought, how can I do these songs um, in a way that has a high production value, if you like? And I've been so, so fortunate to find this wonderful... He's my guitar teacher as well, Ben Garraway, <laughs> at the Sound Garage here in Bedford. And Ben... Um, said he would undertake to take my tracks with the guitar and my vocals if I emailed them to him via my little recorder. So I, I, I came up with this really old-fashioned way of recording. It was very laborious, to be frank, because I had to separate everything, going one at a time to him. Anyway, I sent these to Ben via email, and he's kind of taken my guitar tracks and my vocals and tidied them up. And then he has added um, his own magic touch, really, because he's a wonderful musician. And, and we, we did everything by Zoom. We talked about the mixing and... And how we were doing this, what guitars, what was happening with the music. We did it all remotely, and as I say, it took a very long time. But between us, we've come up with something that I'm very proud of, and I'm I'm jolly pleased that you like. <laughs> mm. Absolutely. You know, I love the song Avenue Louise. Absolutely <laughs> stunning. And it tells the story of a couple meeting in Brussels at the end of the war. She sits in a cafe in the sun near the Avenue Louise. of a prince who will come and sweep her off her feet Is that a true story? That is indeed a true story. Yeah. Yes, my 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 mum and dad met in Brussels at the end of the war. Mum was Belgian. She'd lived through World War Two. My grandmother, in fact, was a member of the resistance in, in Belgium, in Brussels, during that time. Oh, wow. Yeah. They famously tell a story, well, my mum told me about my grandmother, on the day of liberation, racing upstairs in their flat in Brussels and grabbing the woman who was upstairs, frog-marching her down into the street and shaving her head because she'd been a collaborator. Wow. So, yes, and I can always remember that some of the things mum would tell me, oh, that's where they would take the Jews and load them up in oh, Belgium. So, so, yes, it, it, it was a terrible time for them. And so glad when, of course, the British Tommies came in and my dad always used to say, that was when I liberated Brussels. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, they met and fell in love and uh, uh, mum decided to come and live in England and, and over she came in 1947. And so Avenue Louise is, is about their meeting. It's about how I imagined the meeting and Avenue Louise in Brussels is a beautiful street. So to think of them in love and young was just a joy for me to write. Well, it's a gorgeous, gorgeous song. Yeah. You collaborated with Amy Wodge on the EP 
And Amy's worked with lots of stars like Ed Sheeran and Camila Cabello and Lady Antebellum. How did that collaboration come about? I met Amy over 20 years ago now, I think. She came to play in Bedford and I saw in the newspaper an advert. They said, the Welsh Joni Mitchell was coming to play in Bedford. (laughs) And I went to see her play on the strength of that. And uh, I went to her at the end of the gig and I said, I have to say I came because they said you were the Welsh Joni Mitchell. And I said, you're nothing like Joni Mitchell, but I loved what you did. And she said, well, that's interesting because I'm not Welsh either. (laughs) (laughs) I think she's married to someone who's Welsh though, isn't she? (laughs) Yeah, that's right. She's married to Al, her husband is is Welsh. But we bonded over that and we talked about what lazy journalism it was that every girl who played guitar was compared to Joni Mitchell. Um, Yeah. You know, because they are. But she was very different, but nonetheless totally brilliant and we bonded and while she was on the road when she had nowhere to stay she'd come and stay with us and we just got to be friends and uh, watch the ups and downs of her career and uh, at one point she was thinking of giving up playing live herself and started mentoring young singer-songwriters and uh, she said I didn't know what I was going to do for three days with some young lad from Suffolk who, who was 16 <laughs> years old and who was coming to her house and what they did Ed Sheeran and Amy was to write eight songs in three days and uh, the album before his big selling album plus was called songs i wrote with amy and uh yeah and of course she's she still writes with ed but she writes with just so many others as well Mm. everybody else um, so anita tell me the process of of writing songs and if you're doing a collaboration with various other singer songwriters and colleagues someone has to do the harmony someone does the lyrics is that how you split it or do you like doing all of it with everybody doing the same thing. How does it work? Well, to be fair to me, I, I haven't collaborated. I mean, Amy has sung on my song on this one. So I really have not collaborated very much with other people in terms of sharing the writing. Um, mm-hmm. All the songs on just, it's called Just Neat because it's because it's just me, really. Uh, with the writing. <laughs> so Amy, Amy came and added piano and sang on my song. I mean, I'd, to be frank, I'd love the opportunity to write with her. That would just be a dream come true. But I suppose the nearest I've come to really collaborating on writing has been in a couple of bands you know I might come up with a riff somebody might come up with a line it's always different really but as I say mainly I write myself for my own kind of I suppose expression really yeah which is what's so wonderful about singer-songwriting isn't it that it is part of you or it's something that you have a lot of empathy with but do you find then that doing this EP you've written the songs obviously you've have Amy and and you've had Ben as well. Do you find then it was it was a very easy process for all of you to be together? Did it click quite nicely? It was all done remotely, as, a, as yeah. so much is these days. I had done the guitar and vocals for Best Friends. I emailed it to Ben. He had a listen and he put a, a bass on and a, and a, a few strings and sent it back to me. He said, what do you think That's of that? Brilliant. Oh, well, I like this. Oh, I'm not so sure about that. <laughs> what about this? And, and then he added that. And then we sent that off to Amy. She had a listen. And uh, I had an idea. I wanted her, obviously, to possibly do piano. I didn't know she was going to sing on it. But she came up with a riff for the song and then I was delighted when I got it back she said I'll start some vocals on as well and <laughs> that was a dream come true for me so that was just great to you know and she came up with some lovely vocals and a lovely little piano riff and uh, Ben then got to go together with me and, and and mixed it all really it just seems to be that people are working in a very different way but actually quite effective 
I think it is. It's been effective, but it, but it's the second best, isn't it, for all yeah. of us? You know, we need each other. We need to be with people and we need to be in the same room. You know, we can go so far, but the thing is, I, th- I think we all need the contact and the connection. Uh, yeah, it, it's it's OK, but I th- I, I'm sure people I know would say it's not the same as being with your band. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You mentioned earlier when you face difficulties, it's about how you tackle them. And I was kind of thinking, you know, you were a gay woman at a time when it wasn't as accepted as it is now. You were a woman musician at a time when men prevailed. And you're now an older artist in an industry that just worships the young. Do you think that you thrive in an environment where you've got to fight to be heard? Well, isn't that an interesting question? I've never really thought of it quite like that. Um, Do you know what? I would much rather have an easier life these days. I I don't know. I suppose I think things are the way they are. Yeah, and there have been difficulties. I have tried to rise to them as best I can, as as everybody must. And certainly, you know, people confronted with things like Parkinson's, you know, they've got the difficult things, really. I'm just Mm. finding my way as best I can, I think. But I tell you what, I cannot bear injustice. I can't stand injustice justice so things like black lives matter you know I that was the first time I went out during the pandemic I hadn't been anywhere and I thought you know what I've got to go out to my local park and and take the knee with these people even though Mm. I've got arthritis and I can barely get up (laughs) it's you know it's just so important I think to stand up and battle injustice wherever you find it I think you're absolutely right are there times that when you see the young especially young girls doing really well these days that you you wish you'd been born much later I say, asking the question, because I probably do. (laughs) Yes, at times I do. I suppose the main thing is I I wish I had the body I had back then, but then I wouldn't have the mind I've got now. You know, the things that used to worry me and bother me and and get to me, they just don't anymore. And I think I really do. It sounds so so cliched, but I think it's a cliche because it's true. I do really love the small things in life you know the, the flowers and the garden and the birds and and things that actually I've discovered really really are so important I mean I don't know how people who've lived in flats who haven't had gardens it must have been so hard for them during yeah. this time so I've I just been counting my blessings really I've got a partner of the last 40 years that I've been so lucky to have you know I've recovered from some bad health myself so you know I, I just count each day and thank goodness for it really mm. I was just kind of thinking as you were saying that youth is wasted on the young. <laughs> I think it's true. I really wish I'd known I w- or, or felt the way I do now mm. when I don't really care. Back mm. when I was 20, when I did really care about absolutely everything. It's, it's such a waste of time, isn't it, really? It, it <laughs> is. And, and, the, and one of the songs on my EP, you know, um, there's a song on it called Dance Through Life. And it says that the wisdom of ageing is to not waste time to savour every breath you take like a vintage wine and that says it exactly for me really yeah (laughs) so how can people go about getting copies of the ep just neat it is available as a download. Obviously, the, the money I'm trying to raise is for Parkinson's. And the, the best way is to get an, an old fashioned CD from me by emailing me. And uh, I've got a, a YouTube channel that has my email on it. But if anybody would like to know, it's Lawn Treader, L-A-W-N-T-R-E-A-D. 
D-E-R, so lawn, treader, and that's at gmail.com. Because obviously if people get a CD, more money can go to Parkinson's UK. But it is downloadable as well. Uh, There's not a lot of money, I believe, in downloads. uh, But who knows? So, yeah, they can get that from me and find it on their favourite streaming platform as well. So that's the way to find it. And I'm also at Anita Gabrielle and Conquer Cabin Sessions on YouTube. Fantastic. Well, Gabriel, it's been fascinating talking to you today. And all the best with the new EP, Just Neat. Well, thank you so much. It's been lovely, lovely to talk to you. I've really enjoyed it. No, it's yeah, it's great. It was a real fun. pleasure for us. Thank you. Thank you. There's no one like you who can make me laugh the way that you do. The things that you say, the words run away, but never sound flat to me. And if you should fall, I know I would crawl with all my strength anew. Cause I know there's only ever one like you. Come whenever you can, and if you can't, then I'll understand. I worry sometimes that all that I need will wear you out. When life has been raffled, things have felt tough. You start to lean like glue And I know there's only ever one like you You are my best friend I'm so glad you're around When I hang around with you I feel safe And I'm sound And you tend to take me as I am And if you break your mend The only thing you ask of me is that we we 
And that was the single Best Friends from Just Neat, the EP by Anita Cabriel. What an interesting lady and Mm -hmm. the -hmm. way that she writes songs. She just loves life, doesn't she? Yeah. I mean, I thought that story about her being outed by a newspaper was just ghastly. Oh, absolutely. Um, I mean, she doesn't seem to have bothered her too much, or maybe it's just so long ago now that she's kind mm. of... But at the time, I'd have been absolutely, you know, beside myself if that had been me. I mean, Yeah, you know. especially in the 80s as well, to come that's out right. like that. And, and that's, that's right. part of the reason... time. Yeah, yeah, it is a different time. But she did say that her close friends and family knew about it so mm-hmm. that's good because I think if you if you come out and none of your friends or family know about it mm-hmm. I think that's even worse oh, I really do it's an evil thing to do actually it is an evil to thing do to do yeah uh, it is so yeah but no I loved it and I loved the post-punk pop band I, yes. that was really good her set up and of course the there was the, such a lot of good bands about yeah. at that time actually and women bands and women were starting to come through I remember quite a few of them and it was I loved watching women on stage because it it yeah. wasn't all that common no the, the majority were men I would say over 90% of, of bands were comprised of men and you'd get the odd women often they were doing backing vocals rather than being up front and and they were re- rarely playing instruments so if you saw somebody playing a bass or a guitar or drums mm. you know it was a bit of a thing there were more single singers, weren't there? Women singers, and you're right, than women bands mm-hmm. at the time. Lots of lots of women singers. But you're absolutely right, and I think that she was very proud of that. I loved the the three characters. Was it Bodicea? Then we had Bodicea and De- oh, Cruella Deville. Cruella Deville and, and Buccaneer. Oh, Buccaneer. Buccaneer. Mm-hmm. Incredible. Absolutely incredible. <laughs> I'll bet that was fun. And, you know, nowadays they would have been probably pretty huge. And that's yes. so sickening when you look back at all the talent. And it, just, it was really, really hard to be seen back then. It yeah. Was, the, it was a lot of luck. A lot it was, of luck. You're right. It was a lot of luck. She's, I, I think that uh, I think she's going to do well with this EP. I really do. Mm-hmm. So do I. I hope so. Women Making Waves on Cambridge 105 Radio.